Welcome to Jody's Silver Linings. I'm your host, Jody Krangle, and I'm here to offer some inspiration and ideas on self-care for fellow creatives. That can include all sorts of things, but generally I like to discuss marketing and branding issues, getting out of your own way, and self-improvement from my geeky voice actor's perspective. Why silver linings? Well, there's plenty of bad in the world, but I prefer to focus on the good. So today's good is Clara Lehman and Jonathan LeCoque, co-founders of Coat of Arms Post in Helvetia, West Virginia. Clara wrote the award-winning documentary A Perfect Soldier and co-directed and wrote the short animated film Death Loves Life. She's directing and producing Lullaby Theories, an animated series that teaches kids about scientific theories, and a feature-length documentary called Born in a Ballroom. Clara works with clients like Google, Fox, Nickelodeon, The Onion, and WebMD. She has three Excellence in Title Design nominations at South by Southwest, and a Gold and Silver Can Lion, and a Webby nomination. Jonathan has past experience at Post Studios, agencies, and broadcasting companies. His clients include PBS, Verizon, Jaguar Land Rover, Marriott, and Warner Brother Records. He produced and edited the award-winning film A Perfect Soldier and continues to balance his commercial work with documentary and narrative filmmaking. He's producing and editing multiple feature films and shorts and continues to explore his passion for original stories with Coat of Arms Lullaby Theories series and the documentary film Born in a Ballroom. Past awards include an Emmy for editing, several tellies, and multiple film festival awards. Thanks so much for joining me today, Clara and Jonathan. I really appreciate your taking the time because, wow, does it sound like you two are busy. <laughs> oh, thanks for having us, Jody. Yeah, we're super excited. Thanks for having us on. It's great to have you here. So uh, I have to ask, what made you decide to start Coat of Arms and why the name? <laughs> so what, are the two, what were the two of you doing before? Well, Jonathan should chime in on that for sure. Um, beforehand, we, I mean, we met in college at, at a liberal arts school and we kind of took our own paths. Jonathan went into the PA field and I went into administration while trying to kind of hone our craft and figure out what we wanted to do. Uh -huh. um, and then as we got, we built our own resumes up, we slowly started to fall into what we liked about production and post-production. Um, and Jonathan had this idea to start a company because he was maybe a little tired of working for others and he knew he had the ability and the chops to work for himself. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, tell him about how you chose Coat of Arms, the name. I think it's interesting. <laughs> well, I think, uh, yeah, so the name, I guess, first of all, like we wanted to have a name that was sort of memorable and had some form of meaning to us. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I can take complete credit for the name. Clara is quite creative. But um, in the end, we thought coat of arms was really great, especially in the sense that, you know, in heraldic times and still, you know, you have family crests. But back then, you know, it was a way to sort of see allies from enemies or sort of stake your claim on a, some sort of presence or uh, branding. Mm -hmm. And we thought that was sort of a fun play on, you know, some of the work we do specific to like corporate and commercial clients where, um, you know, we're doing branding and we're doing videos that are helping tell stories as a perspective for a company or a brand. Um, so Coat of Arms felt like a nice way to, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. speak to that as well as just say like, hey, align yourself with us. We are your allies. Yeah, your shield. Yeah. And are shielding you from some of maybe the, the struggles that non-creative folks have in being creative. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I think culturally, too, we're both interested in just the idea of 
maintaining identity with your roots. And um, I grew up in a Swiss like village in the mountains of Appalachia and Helvetia. It's called Helvetia, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And there's a really significant um, push for pe the, the children there and the, the families to hold on to some of our folk culture. Um, there's even shields all throughout the community. It's kind of ironic that we'd end up with a shield as our our, uh, our logo. <laughs> yeah. um, and then Jonathan is uh, Cuban-Belgian, so a first-generation American. And I think that um, there's that struggle that is true and real to hold on to those immigrant um, identities, but while still melding into uh, the American culture. And I think that was a, a, a means for... This, this logo represents both of us quite nicely. Yeah. Yeah. There, apparently there are layers of meaning. <laughs> yeah. For each of know, us. For, for each of us, which is kind of cool. That is really great. Yeah. Um, so uh, obviously you work together. Um, so what is it like to work together as a husband-wife team in the same company? I mean, how do you balance your work life with your home life? Oh, it's just awful. <laughs> um, no, it's actually uh, pretty phenomenal. I, I think that we get we're best friends and that's the truth that's the truth of the matter so it really helps that we like to spend time together and mm -hmm. uh like to raise our family together but also work together on on creative uh projects i think i it's strange and maybe it's cliche to say but like what i'm what i excel at Jonathan may not, and what he excels at, I don't. Mm -hmm. So there's this very nice yin and yang for us that feels very comfortable, but at the same time, we push each other in a very positive way. What else? Yeah, I mean, I think both with 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 work life and home life, we definitely work well together, complement each other, you know, love each other. So mm -hmm. there's there's built in trust and safety as well in terms of like. Yeah you know, going to work and trying new things or having, you know, being under pressure or exploring new boundaries creatively. Like, you know, I think that we're lucky to have a foundation that allows us to do those things and to kind of watch out for each other. Sure. You have each other's backs. Yeah. Yeah. We have each other's backs. Yeah. As, as well as just complimenting, like Clara said, you know, each of our strengths are different. So we are so much better together mm -hmm. than alone. Um, and so we lean into that both at home yeah. and at work. I always think of film and a lot of the arts are collaborative. And in this sense, I feel like I wouldn't be as good alone. And I think that I feel like very comfortable being like, I can have a terrible idea <laughs> and still express it. And there might be a little tiny piece that's good. And Jonathan will find that or like the silver lining you're talking about, Joey. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's always something that we can kind of propel ourselves forward with, with the conversation. And there are hard moments like, you know, we have twin daughters and they are in school now, but before they were in school, we had to find that balance of how do you get all the diapers changed and the babies fed and in bed <laughs> yeah. while still trying to meet the demands of a corporate client or for our own sanity, some of those creative projects that we just wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And somehow we did it, but um, we had a lot of like little support too, like built in from the family and friends and sure. uh, we're both just hard workers. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I think, you know... I think that's a good thing to mention too. I mean, part of what I think works well for us is that we have similar values and similar priorities in life. Mm -hmm. And then we also both are hard, hard workers. And so, you know, because like, I don't know that I would necessarily recommend a partnership to just anybody, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, th I think it really depends on who you're partnering with and, and who each person is and making sure each can still be themselves within a complimentary way within that sort of, you know, mm -hmm. partnering. Um, 
but I think it works for us because there's never really, I don't know. I've, you know, I've worked at other places where some people work way harder than others and it's hard not to feel resentment. And then it's also hard not to feel guilt from the other side. Um, you know, and, and so, or, you know, whether that's internalized guilt or (laughs) externalized, you know, um, but so I think it works well in that both Clara and I are passionate and love what we do and and Mm -hmm. work hard at it. That's wonderful. So, you know, going back to your twin daughters, what inspired lullaby theories? That's a great question. So, uh, really, I mean, Clara and I are always coming up with little shorts and ideas that we want to to tell and um, and to make. And, you know, we don't finish most of them. You know, there's sort of like <laughs> yeah. this, uh, you know, rain cloud of, of ideas constantly falling, you know. <laughs> but um, in this instance, uh, we were working on a really big project and about 80% of the way through the project found out that it was completely changing and none of the work that we had done would be seen. Oh, ow. And we had this amazing team of artists, you know, pulled together and uh, kind of said, hey, you know, we've got maybe it was like two, two more weeks or something with the team. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, we we've had this idea where we want to do something with our kids, you know, something that's scientific or science oriented to sort of both introduce them into like mm-hmm. theories and thinking about these things. They're both girls. So like getting them into STEM and all that sort of thing. Sure. But then also just for us, you know, I think Claire and I naturally uh, have an interest in, in science. Um, so Claire went and just wrote the first script of lullaby theories in like a, a, really quickly. Uh, like Cause we had hours. literally, we had literally no time. And, yeah. <laughs> and then we, we went and we recorded with Lucy and Sophia and uh, edited it together really quickly. And then, kind of sent our team off with some direction on. And we literally used like not, we've changed that slightly, but we used some of the inspiration from those like throwaways in order to like propel into this project. So Mm -hmm. that it wouldn't completely be uh, one of those things that hits on. Yeah. It's just hitting the, the the cutting floor and and we were disappointed to see that go away. So we just found a way to make that, to propel it into something different. Yeah, I I love the the improvisation kind of that are in there. It kind of feels like you're sort of doing it in the moment, which I really really love. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I have to say that sometimes that feels like the best work. Um, not only mm. improvisation, but um, like just I can't th- like authentic, but also vulnerable and. Mm-hmm. Like you feel a little vulnerable in those moments when you're told your work's not going to make it into something or it's going to yeah. be thrown away. And then you're also vulnerable in that it's your children and yourself. And mm-hmm. I think that sometimes we, human, we all, all of us humans end up tapping into something that is a bit more connective or a special when, when you get to, when you get there and it's hard mm-hmm. to get there, but, and it's hard to accept that sometimes, but I think sure. it's very important. Yeah. Well, and it's nice to have time to explore and try of course. things and. I think in, with lullaby theories in particular, not that in this first, the first one we had a ton of time, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, when we're recording with the girls, there's a lot of, you know, having them watch things and sort of tell us what they're seeing or like making yeah. things up like, hey, how, what do you think this is, you know, mm-hmm. and then they come up with things we could have never imagined, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, or responses. Kids, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. So, I mean, that's really part of the joy for us, too, is just 
you know, hey, what do you think happens? What What do you think is going on in a parallel world? Right, yeah. it's a time capsule for us to, to hold on to, too, for them. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll bet it would be a wonderful thing to, to keep, yeah. Absolutely. I, I love the, the uh, joy in explosions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so true. That feels it's a true. lot like what it is like, I think. Right, well, they love it, you know, explosion. Yeah, yeah. it was just they adorable. Oh, and I mean, man, like, I, I don't think even people who don't have kids, like, I, I don't think you have to have kids to enjoy these. They're they're just adorable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny, um, you know, we we also are doing these, you know, for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, Lucy and Sophia get to go to the film festivals and, <laughs> you know, get asked Q&As. And, and so this is also sort of an introduction to them in terms of like, hey, this is what mom and dad do you know Mm -hmm. and um you know this is something that you could do down the road if you want you know yeah and also just a a way for them to understand like when when we're sitting at a computer at work you know this is kind of the thing that's going on behind the scenes so it Mm -hmm. isn't as much of a mystery um but i i also think like on the other side for people watching kind of like to what you were saying you know we also wanted to create something that was I don't know, calm and uh, have an educational aspect, but just be enjoyable. And it's funny because, you know, like Lars, who's your your brother, says like, you know, sometimes when he's nervous, let's say in, in college or just can't go to sleep, he'll go and he'll watch one of these because like it's just so coughed and, you know, peaceful, like he said. Yeah, I thought that was such a sweet compliment. He said that when he misses home, or he's a little anxious before a big exam, he plays that at night to fall asleep to. And I was like very touched. I mean, first of all, it's just so, so sweet, sweet that yeah. it brings him comfort, but also that, um, you know, well, he loves us very much, obviously. So <laughs> he's a little biased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I was glad that that helped, you know, helped in some way. But outside of just even the science, it was just the comfort of hearing us and hearing the song mm. in the background and things like that. Yeah. Then one, one other thing I'll add really quick is that, and kind of going back to the question of like why we even started the company, I feel like, you know, Claire and I have both worked at a lot of different places and it can be really challenging to be completely, let's say, creatively fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. by creating Coat of Arms, we are in control of, what we say yes and no to and how finances are used. And so for us, like both because of just the model, the way that coat of arms works, but also just in terms of our desires, we work really hard to do things that, you know, we and our design director, Ryan and our artists that we work with want to do and the stories we want to tell. Whereas like, you know, when you work for an agency or a post house Mm -hmm. or anywhere, frankly, like, you know, owners have their own desires, of which which is fair. You know, mm-hmm. they have their own you know drives and and, and needs. They need obligations. To yeah, obligations, right, sure. exactly. And so this is our way to you know have fun and not get lost. Let's say in the dollars or mm-hmm. the uh, the return on investments. You know, for big corporations or something. Yeah. Well, I along those lines, um, I'd like to ask you also because obviously you love to create just for the love of creating. Um, But how do you balance the paid work with the creative work? Well, I think um, one one main way, I guess, is that because it is such a priority to us, we are always 
looking at, let's say, like jobs that are coming in, mm -hmm. uh, the finances that are coming in, and then, um, you know, looking at the calendar in such a way that we can carve out time and some of those finances to put towards personal projects. Um, you know, like there are companies that do the 80-20 rule or, you know, you work four days and that fifth day is a time for exploration or, you know, certain number of months for paid work and a certain number of months for research and development. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're pretty similar in that, you know, we, we aren't as um, structural with it, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say, you know, uh, yeah, I agree. it kind of like, you know, sometimes we'll go a few months with a ton of personal projects, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go a few months with literally no personal projects. So, yeah, yeah you know, we allow the se the change of the seasons from a financial forecasting perspective to dictate a little bit like, hey, we can really have fun right now. Let's do it. Uh, versus like, hey, we have a lot of, you know, obligations right now that we need to fulfill. Mm -hmm. But when yeah. we finish, you know, but but we make time for it, too. I think emotionally, too, sometimes there's a difference between uh, a project that might feel like um, something that you can be like, I, I know I have to do this and I want to do it and I feel interested in it. But at the same time, I can get through it without like some of the bigger demands of a of a personal project. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a personal project can be very overwhelming and that like you you just want it to, to meet a certain standard that maybe feel like a reach or whatever and um that's a wonderful feeling to have but sometimes it's really great to have those like hey this is a two-minute video I, i'm going to do and uh my client is going to say when and if it feels like it's done i'm going to put myself into it yes but there's a there's this at least a little bit of a release of like i can let go at some point. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing we've had trouble with with certain projects is like <laughs> when it's a personal project, when do you say you're done? And when is it uh, good enough? And mm -hmm. you have to just sometimes you literally have to like cut the apron strings and just let it go like a child, you know. And um, sometimes with corporate projects, you, you, you don't have a choice. There's a deadline and it's over. And and those have been very rewarding, too. And I think um, has have taught us to let go of those personal projects faster, mm -hmm. a little bit faster. Yeah. It's <laughs> a great way to look at it. Yeah. We don't always succeed, but we try, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It can be hard. Yeah. I get it. The, you know, when you got to know when good enough is good enough. <laughs> yeah, truly. Yeah. And sometimes you can over, you know, you can over adjust. I mm -hmm. do believe that, but uh, yeah. yeah. And one, one other thing really quick I'll add is that, mm -hmm. you know, from a technical standpoint, it is really important for us to do the personal work because, you know, clients tend to have their own, again, like stylistic desires and, you know, uh, even obligations or brandings, you know, sure. branding obligations. Um, so like for us to continue to develop our capabilities, you know, doing personal work allows us to really push and try new things. So it's really important, I think, for us as artists to spend that time mm -hmm. exploring and trying things that may or may not work because it's for us, yeah. you know? Speaking of that, <laughs> um, as a creative couple, I know you both have probably experienced a great deal of, um, let's call them learning experiences. <laughs> I'm not really going to call them failures because <laughs> we always learn something, right? <laughs> so how do you deal with those? Um, well, I've always found that Whenever you have like a failed, it could be something a little bigger, like an entire project get cut, like we were describing earlier, or something where you maybe your gut is saying, I, I need to fire myself on this project. We've done that before. <laughs> um, 
you know, I think that I, I always find that a lot of wisdom and that's a cheesy thing to say, but a lot of wisdom is gained from those. And so, mm -hmm. because you can really beat yourself up about a failure, oh, you know, totally. you can yeah. stay up at night and worry and things like that. Um, and I think if you always step back and be like, well, I know I'm going to learn something from this and I need to let, <laughs> again, that letting go, yeah. um, it really is a, a good prod or a good thing to go through and a good exercise to force yourself to, because if you're not failing, sometimes I think that means, unless you're just, I don't know, you're God and you're amazing, but, <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's, I think if you're not failing, you're not testing yourself enough. Like yeah. you're not pushing yourself as hard as you should be. Mm -hmm. Um, you're just too, too, too comfortable. And I think that's when you would see that your work is probably getting a little static and, and or stagnant and, and not, uh, progressing. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage you to, uh, you know, throw in a failure once every 10 times. And, <laughs> or yeah. more. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I think we, we quote unquote, some of us can't know. help it. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. Sure. I do think, yeah, failure is, is really, not to sound cheesy, is like an opportunity to grow, really, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I like what you were saying, Clara, it's like, if we're not failing in some ways, like, are we really pushing ourselves or testing boundaries creatively? Or yeah, that's a good point. Or... And I think sometimes what we as an individual see as a failure, others would be like, well, what are you talking about? That's not really <laughs> true failure. Yeah. But I do think that um, it's, you know, you've got to have the appropriate lens on it. And so that you don't, uh, get lost in the, a depression or because right. uh, artists are often that way like they get bummed when a project ends and it's like oh it went great why are you so bummed yeah. it's like oh I've got that like uh, postpartum depression of uh, I'm talking about babies a lot I don't know what <laughs> yeah I wonder why <laughs> no I mean I'm not pregnant but <laughs> um, well anyway but I just think that there's a it's it's a wonderful thing to to go through it feels like shit during it but mm -hmm. it's it is good and I think too you know to get maybe psychological for a second, I think as artists, it's like really important to get as much failure out of the way as possible, <laughs> you know, yeah. so that your skin thickens. Mm -hmm. You learn that like, I mean, literally everybody goes through it. Like there is no person that's like, I'm going to learn to draw and then draws like, I don't know, something yeah. phenomenal and then wins awards and money and their life is set. Right. Nobody, yeah. you know, yeah. everybody fails. Yeah. Struggles, and, and so yeah. It doesn't important. have to be art. It could be socially. It could right. be, you know, whatever it's. Well, yeah. yeah. And I feel like if you think of it that way, it's almost like you can, you know, lean, uh, lean in to the failure. Like, Hey, let's, let's, let's get these failures over with, yeah. you know, or like, let's just go for it so we can learn and get better and, you know, thicken our skin. And you have to spend a certain amount of hours that, you know, our failures yeah. <laughs> to get to the successes. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget, uh, particularly one, one of my biggest, I thought was a failure was I went to law school thinking I wanted to be an attorney. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did a full semester and did well, but hated it and hated myself in it. Mm -hmm. And I, I quit. And I remember calling my dad and my mom and a few people and just feeling so uh just like wanting to hide like mm -hmm. wanting to just cover up in the bed and sleep for days and not come out and not let anyone see me and i i think that that's what a lot of people feel when they feel like they failed but in in the end i came through it of course it took a little while but i think that first experience of like a failure that you 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 may have disappointed someone else was um 
very positive for me and that it made me be like, okay, wait a minute, what did I learn from this that Mm -hmm. has let me step forward in other ways? And what skills or crafts have I garnered from going to law school for a semester that are now in what I want to do and what I love? And you'd be shocked how much more I've gotten from, I'm using from that period than I am from my successes. Mm -hmm. Like my success for writing a paper or doing something else is not really informing what I'm doing now. Whereas that failure in law school is totally informing what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. You, I mean, think of it even this way, like without that failure, you wouldn't be with me in coat of arms. (laughs) You know, you'd be a lawyer, you'd be, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? If we hadn't moved to West Virginia to go to law school, like maybe we wouldn't be living here, you know, like there's just so many... And if we didn't move here, maybe we wouldn't have had twins. You right. know, like there's just so many huge things that have come even out of that. You did a lullaby theory on this, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I think you might yeah. have. Parallel worlds, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of amazing to think of in that sense too. Mm-hmm. It's like you've got to be okay with the the path you're on and you know, take and own it as much as you yeah, can. You gotta own it. Sure. Allow, hey, you know, the, the path's gonna lead and some different directions and let's see where it goes yeah and at the very least you learned about yourself i mean you know as we're growing as human beings we have to learn what we like and what we don't like and what fulfills us and what doesn't so you know that's a good learning experience right there for sure yeah and i think i mean from a personal standpoint i also think the failures influence our learning from like a again a psychological or philosophical side Mm -hmm. the most too because it's like you know, you always have a choice of how you respond, you know, to things that happen to you in life, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's super hard to do. It's hard to always respond well or positively in the negative. Um, But it's, it's, I think, a good challenge to put ourselves to and remind ourselves that like, hey, you know, like this, I may not have control over what happened, but I do have control over how I decide to move on from Mm -hmm. it. And there's power in that, you know? Yeah, there totally is. Actually, leading into another question, um, you know, obviously these uh, learning experiences and failures um, have to be dealt with, right? So w- there's stress, there's self-doubt, there's, you know, things that go on in our own heads. I mean, obviously the two of you have experienced this. So how do you deal with that? Do you have any tips for people on how to maybe figure out how to frame it in a different way? Um, I think the, the first two things I would say is one, like talk to somebody. I think Claire and I are lucky that we have each other to kind of talk through the emotions and the issues that come with sometimes the stressors, the failures, those types, sorts of things. So mm-hmm. at least for me, like <laughs> you can attest to this, mm-hmm. like talking through things is really important for me. So it's nice to have someone to say, hey, like, man, did, did we really mess up or did I <laughs> screw up or you know, I'm scared or I'm feeling anxious about this. And just having someone that can kind of help you through it, um, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. And then the other is time. You know, I think for me, again, um, like I definitely, I'm I'm a type A. I think like I dive into things, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm always excited about what's next. And so sometimes it can be difficult to sort of step back and, you know, whether it's like as simple as going for a walk or sleeping on it or, you know, meditation, or mm-hmm. whatever it is, it's just like, take time after, you know, a failure or take time when you are feeling stressed to say, hey, I'm feeling stressed, I'm going to step, step away from the computer, I'm going to step away from what's bothering me. So I at least have time to like, process mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, typically, whenever fun. you put a problem or a failure into the grander scheme, it always is not as big as you think it is. And mm-hmm. 
um, that step away or sleeping on it. My mom always says, Clara, it always looks better in the morning. It always looks better in the morning. So, um, you know, at night we can point. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we beat ourselves up and we'll, you know, be like awake all night worrying about something, letting it fester. And sometimes you just literally need to let a, a day or two pass before you make uh, some reflections and and make some positive steps forward. And I do think there's, um, you know, little things you can do like a checklist or little things to get through those parts, because sometimes the anxiety is so heavy that you don't know what to do with yourself in between mm-hmm. but when you've had that aha moment and when you've, when you've had the, the problem. So, you know, checklists or exercise, um, again, the, the com- com- communicating with someone you trust, uh, being allowed to kind of say exactly how you feel without a filter, that's a big deal. Like, I don't think, sometimes I'm not sure people uh, feel completely comfortable taking off that filter. Mm-hmm. And it's very important to do that sometimes because then you fi- if you find that person you trust and you can just barf on the page, (laughs) uh, even if it's just to yourself, I think it's a, it's a positive, a positive thing for your mental health. And, um, then, then you're more likely to move forward with positive steps and not go and do a, a, a a nasty thing to someone that you're going to resent later. Like you don't want to be ugly to your client or something like that. Yeah. Stepping away helps with that for sure. Yeah, I do. I do. The only other thing I'll add is that I think structure can be kind of important. You know, mm-hmm. like both structure and allowing for there not to be structure. You know, but sure. like I think one reason a lot of artists in particular are so big on routine. You know, like oh, I get mm-hmm. up and I spend this amount of time writing or drawing or whatever. You know, is because when you have some sort of structure in place you know, it allows you to lose it, you know? So like, sure. Hey, I'm, I'm just naturally waking up mm-hmm. at this time and getting to work at this time. Cause I am now created this behavior in myself. That's like muscle memory. So now I feel like I have this time to just let go or explore mm-hmm. or allow things to happen. Agreed. I think the only other thing I would mention for getting through failure is surrounding yourself with people who are experts and Mm -hmm. who have also experienced failure and have gotten through it as well. Like when we work on a project and it's not going well, man, does it feel good to have a team behind you that is just, first of all, lovely and good people. Mm -hmm. But second of all, they are experts at dealing with this and they know like listen we just pivot like here we pivot pivot again you know Mm -hmm. and I think that that is so um relieving and and is a super important thing to maybe consider for for your next project Mm -hmm. for sure I would almost lean a little more into like the people around you being good people that care that are easygoing you know like even if they don't have they aren't the expert it's nice to have somebody that's like hey Let's figure it out. Well, sure. Yeah. Rather rather than living in the, you know, the negative or not being able to manage their own stress maybe very well or something. Well, you're the sum of the closest five people, right? <laughs> the the five closest people to you are are probably your greatest influencers, whether they're experts in your field or not. So um sort of along the same lines. Uh, what do the two of you do to be kinder to yourselves? Because, you know, as creatives, <laughs> as we've mentioned many times already, we're very hard on ourselves. <laughs> so uh, do you two do things together? Do you do things separately? Um, do you have different approaches to relaxing? 
Well, I think that mostly they would be pretty similar. As a husband-wife team, um, we have very similar interests, and we want to, outside of work, have a relationship um, that is romantic as well. <laughs> sure. And I think some things that we do are, I mean, obviously, we're parents. We spend time with our children. Mm -hmm. That always, it's such a, I mean, that is like, oddly enough, it could be uh, you know, hard, but a very huge relief. There's just a lot of laughter sure. and happiness and, and distraction there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. I think distraction, yeah. even even when it's difficult, yeah. it is a distraction yeah. from the other. And it sort of grounds you in this reality of like, okay, no. Bigger picture, bigger picture. You know? Yeah, and I, I remember a few times we've gotten calls that were pretty negative or feedback that was rough. And then you just kind of like go make dinner and and spend time with the kids laughing or or maybe it's not laughter maybe there's annoyance and you are they're jiving off of your anxiety a little bit but mm -hmm. i think that that still helps um we exercise so we go for runs uh mm -hmm. we live in a very rural area where we can hike in in the woods and nice. I, I, can, I can't tell you how much nature uh i think it's critical to all humans like we need to really get back to that a little bit more and i think if you don't live in a in a rural area or in a wooded area i would suggest the lake or um just a, a bike path or something just do something sure. that gets you into nature i i promise it helps mm -hmm. um, it's another grounding you know what i mean in, a, in another kind of reality of like hey we're part of something beyond just yeah uh, yeah you know the the client's demands right and, this fake world that is yeah, yeah like you said bigger picture right yeah, yeah. dogs Pets, uh, that's a good way. We have a dog. We love her. Um, she helps. Mm -hmm. I think, too, um, I think Jonathan's been really good about this with me because I would have an internal voice that was very negative sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think um, every time – I've heard other people say this, too, but every time you think you're going to say something ugly about yourself in your head or uh, saying something that's negative, see if you can turn it around and turn it into a positive. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to, to be fake. Like, I'm not saying to say fake things or say things that are untrue. I'm just saying, be cognizant of what you're saying to yourself in your head, flip it, and then say something that is uh, a positive side of it. Like if it's like, oh, um, I'm not very good X, Y, Z, then turn it around and say, but why am I, if I'm not good at that, I might be good at something else or mm -hmm. Uh, you know, why that's okay or something like that. Yeah. Words matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the, the only, I mean, that's great. I agree with all of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only addition from me would be prioritize yourself. You know, like I think that's something that we do is that, uh, you know, we try to prioritize ourselves in that, mm -hmm. you know, in order for us to take care of our children, we need to be taken care of in order yeah. for us to have energy at work, we need to make sure we get enough sleep. In order for us to, you know, also have energy, we need to like eat healthy mm -hmm. and exercise and find ways for us to release uh, our anxieties, our angers, the things that naturally come on and, 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 and just have compassion for yourself. And I think this is again where like, and I'm biased, I think it's, we're lucky to have each other mm -hmm. in that like we again are looking out for each other. So when we see, or I'll say when I see like, Clara being like beating herself up, you know, because I think like we are always the harshest critics of ourselves. And yeah. so I think we need to also, I don't know, like respond to that with also being the having the most compassion for ourselves as possible, you know, but having somebody who loves you with you 
is really helpful because then they're like, oh, hey, why are you doing Mm -hmm. that? You know, or like, hey, look, you did this and this is great or feel better or whatever it is. Yeah. And so I feel like we need to learn almost as a species, you know, and especially as artists and people who are vulnerable naturally to, to just have empathy for everybody, but that includes ourselves. Yeah, if you can't have it for yourself, you're not going to have it for others. So Yeah, that's very true. Well, I think we're coming to the end here, but I wanted to ask you what you're working on now and where people can find out more about it. Sure. Um, well, we just finished Born in a Ballroom, our feature-length documentary, and that will be screening. We're not allowed to release where it will screen yet as a premiere, but it's out in California. <laughs> okay. Um, and we'll release that shortly with uh, if you log in and, and uh, what's that called? Join, Join our, our mailing list, list so you'll <laughs> find out or just check out our site. Yeah. Um, but we're also working on several um, WebMD videos mm-hmm. that are really exciting, uh, two documentaries and a set, a co- uh, like a campaign about heart disease oh, mm-hmm. and heart failure and um, how that impacts, specifically how that's impacted by uh, type 2 diabetes uh, quite often. Um, those are very interesting, and they they're mostly educational. You know, the 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 two documentaries are more uh, emotive and stories, but mm-hmm. the the three um, little shorter campaigns are supposed to be educational for the for the site. Wonderful. Um, and we're also working on South by Southwest titles, and we've done that. Th- uh, this will be our third year in a row. Oh, great! Um, you want to time in about those, John? I mean, we're excited. It's always. It- it's basically another one of these almost like personal projects, mm-hmm. but it's for a festival that we love. So we always have fun kind sure. of pushing creative limits and pulling together teams of people that, you know, we always want to work with, but maybe don't always get the chance because it's a style or something yeah. that, you know, maybe a corporate client doesn't want to do. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, we're working with uh, Google Cloud on uh, creating, you know, in um, there's a, a place called Chase Center in San Francisco mm-hmm. where the Golden State Warriors play, and we're doing a bunch of uh, animations for like the ribbon screens inside of the arena and the wow. plaza and that type of thing for specific uh, Google Cloud because they're a sponsor for the uh, venue. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we're we're continuing to try to mix the the corporate with the personal, and it's uh, all great. Yeah, I I will say like. Uh, Definitely people can go to borninaballroom.com. That's, you know, mm-hmm. it has a ton of information about the documentary that we're working on, which is personal to us, but hopefully can speak to, you know, everybody, but sure. <laughs> to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and then our website is coatofarmspost.com. And that's where you can join our mailing list. Mm-hmm. You can check out some of this work we've been talking about and stay in touch with us. Fantastic. The only other one that I think that Jody was mentioning that, people might enjoy is the lullaby theories.com which is those are the four episodes with the the children's mm-hmm. voices and my voice basically expressing oh how how does this science work what's this mm-hmm. so it's interesting and cute are you going to be making more of them or is four the limit well we would love to make more um born in a ballroom got in the way a little bit because <laughs> sure. we were wrapping up on post on that with the feature and and now that we're trying to promote it on the uh, flip side of of it being finished um, it's we're kind of uh, obligated to at least try to see if we can uh, get that film out a little mm-hmm. farther reach than just our backyard sure, yeah. and so um, but yes we would love to do another season of four um, I think it comes down to you know just finances like pour we've poured all of our own finances mm-hmm. into the project yeah. so um, we'll see if we want to 
do that again? Or would we rather do something new? Um, while this is a formula that seems to work and people enjoy it, it's, you know, how artists are. We're always like, what's <laughs> sure. different that I can do? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I guess that about wraps it up then. Uh, I really appreciate your taking the time to talk with me. And uh, I know that this will inspire a lot of people. Awesome. Oh, thank well, you, hey, Jody. Yeah, thanks for having us, Jody. We love working with you and Likewise. love chatting with you. So this was Yeah, great. it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening and keep looking for those silver linings. Remember to be kind to yourself. Until next time.